Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I'm Mike Kazaza. Crisp bounce pass over to Chris Anderson. Talk a little basketball here, Chris. West Virginia 4-0, opening eyes, I would say, opening minds. But now it gets real. Three games, four days. It begins with Purdue. It may end with Duke. Always a cool possibility when you're playing college basketball tournament, whether that's in November or March. Blue Bloods, Blue Devils, Royalty, West Virginia, trying to get up in that level again. Impressive to start this season. And I would say that the Mountaineers, as much as anybody else, they know those are just rest rehearsals and that this is when they will begin to find out who they are, what they have. It's quite a spread for a Thanksgiving tournament, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I think this was something that, I mean, it shouldn't shock anybody that the first four games, they, were, they weren't they were complete duds uh, for opponents. But, you know, because a couple of those teams, you know, are going to be contenders in their own conferences, Pitt is not going to be one in ACC, but still a rival. So you have something, something to get your blood pumping with those first four games, but nothing that's going to be at the level of what this tournament's going to be and what it, or what it could be uh, and the opponents you could be facing because right off the bat, you're facing Purdue, who is, you know, that's ter- that's tournament team. That's a good team. And it's going to be a team that's different than anything West Virginia's faced. And then, yeah, you, you, if you beat Purdue, it just gets far more difficult after that. Cause yeah, like you said, the, there's the potential for, if you know, you win out of Purdue, Gonzaga, Duke, back to back to back three games in four days. Whew. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> it's a resume builder. Um, Let's just start with this, and we can go short answer and follow with a larger conversation. What have you been most impressed by, and what are you most interested in? So what has gotten your attention in the first four games, and then what will grab your attention in the next three? I want to say the the bigs, because we've seen that go up and down over the years and I think you know with the last transfer portal and the bigs they brought in it kind of struck out I don't know if they just didn't they didn't fit right it didn't work right they didn't do what Huggins wanted but I feel like the bigs they have are so complementary of each other that this could be something that you know is sustainable long term like because because Jimmy Bell is not like Wagi Uh, Wagi is not like a Conquo. A Conquo is not like 
and if we're going to expand out the quote unquote bigs here to as Trey Mitchell. So you basically have four big men, quote unquote, who are different from each other. And you can throw all of them in there at any given time. You could piece two of them together. I know Huggins said to you, was it the first game where he said maybe he'll do three of them mm-hmm. at the same time? Um, but they all kind of feed off each other and can do different things. If you need a bigger body, which West Virginia might in this upcoming game against Purdue, you can go Bell. If you like, and then you got Waggy, who I think showed better footwork than I expected from him. Uh, had a couple legitimate offensive moves in the low post. I mean, nothing, you know, not Kevin McHale kind of low post moves or Kim Olajuwon low post moves, but basic and crisp low post moves that got him points. Um, I don't want to give Bob Huggins any ideas to start dumping it in the post and standing around, but I'm surprised at the big man. But this is where it's going to change. This is where it's going to be different. Because, again, if you go in the order that I just talked about, you got uh, Purdue right off the bat. What's the what's his name? Edie, who's like seven foot three, seven foot four. Um, and so are you, you're going to be calling on, I assume, you know, a little more Jimmy Bell in that one. And then you go with, if you play Gonzaga after that, you're going to be looking at more of Timmy, who's far a big man, but far different than Edie. And then you go to Duke, and Duke is going to run out a bunch of big, long six eight six nine forwards at you. So this is going to be the tournament where I think <laughs> West Virginia doesn't necessarily have to win it for me to think they're legit. But if they can compete down low in the post on the glass, with these kind of players that they're going up against, that gives me a little more hope about this team long-term. Okay. I'm impressed by how steady they've been. Not a surprise that they're 4-0. I think you might be concerned that they weren't. Even with the pit game, Pitt's not very good. But they have not allowed a run of greater than 7-0 this year. That's pretty good. I mean, that's that's three bad possessions. You can, you can give up an 8-0 run, 7-0 run, 9-0 run. Um, Lord knows they missed a lot of shots in succession in the past where they can give up a 10-0 run across eight minutes, right? Just because they're not scoring on the other end. But 7-0 run Mount St. Mary. Sorry, Penn was the, was the largest one. But 6-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. Those aren't great runs by the other team. So that's been impressive. In addition to that, they've only trailed for about 10 minutes and 15 seconds out of 160 minutes. So they've been in the lead and been in control for a lot of it. And with rare exceptions, typically at the end of games where Huggins is getting guys in just so he can, they've grown leads. So when they get up 12, 16, next thing you know, it's 18, 22. It doesn't come back to earth where it's 11. And when it does, that's because they've kind of goofed up some lineups and here comes Pat Sumnick and Josiah Davis. And that's fine. Those guys got to play. I get it. But when they got the right people in the car, they're pulling away from teams. That's good. And they haven't really been chased or scared, which leads me to this. What happens when they're trailing for much of the first half? What happens when Purdue makes three threes in a row and gets a steal and a dunk and that's an 11-0 run? Don't know. That's going to happen. Like They're not going to shut out these three, these three teams in, in terms of runs and playing from the front the entire time. And I think they're actually excited to see what happens. I think they want to give up a 10-0 run. I think they want to be down by eight um, with two minutes left in the first half. And can they keep it under single digits? Can they keep under double digits? Can they make a greater push to get even? 
I'm not saying that they're going to go in and tank it in the first half just to create those conditions, but I think they're as curious as anybody to see what happens. How can they respond? They say getting punched in the mouth. They're going to get punched in the mouth. They may not stagger. They may not stumble. They may not fall, but like Purdue's certainly going to throw some bombs at them. How do they handle them? How do they deflect? How do they parry? How do they respond? Um, and that's why you have an event like this too. You certainly get your confidence up. You get your reps in, you refine, you polish this and that. And then you pack your bags and you go to Oregon and see what you have. I'm very curious to see what they're going to have up their sleeve. And I think that, again, I think the Mountaineers, all 15 of them now, I guess, because Rob Perez, Rob Perez, um, Jose Perez will be out there too. Won't be playing, but I imagine he'll go out there to watch. They're as curious as anybody here to see what they can do. So let's see what they can do because they're going to have some issues here. Beginning with Purdue, preseason top 25 Kempom team right around there right now offensively one of the more effective and efficient teams this year they have good personnel certainly the best team that West Virginia has seen it begins with a 7-4 guy they've got some shooters and scorers these two coaches like each other they're kind of familiar with each other this this is a good matchup here definitely the best opponent definitely the best challenge so far great way to start a tournament because if you get a good win it's a quality win you've earned your way into the second round and if you lose it's well, it ain't Portland State or Oregon State that you lost to either yeah, I'm looking at their, their guards. I think this this is man. They're I talked about the big men getting to work out with the seven foot four ED. I mean, he's their leading scorer. He's their leading rebounder. They run their entire offense through him. But that doesn't mean the guards can you know take a nap because they they like to run with what's called like an inside out offense. They like to get the ball inside that they've been pushes back outside to the guards to get the offense going, and they got a couple decent shooters. Um, Braden Smith, who's he's forty five percent right now. I mean, short, small sample size, um, and I think you know the guy that's shooting more <clears throat> and was an excellent shooter out of high school was Fletcher Lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's he's shooting thirty three percent, but he's jacking up seven threes a game. You want to talk about pressure on West Virginia? You know, taking up a step in the competition. Both Smith and Lawyer our freshmen mm-hmm. you're tossing in some guys that you know that are going to be handling the ball that are going to be shooting the ball that play massive minutes uh looking at their minutes what are they second and third on the team in minutes yeah second and third on the team in minutes so they they are main parts of the rotation and they are they're freshmen they're second and third leading scorers, second and third you know the top two shooters top two guard minutes and they're freshmen so Pressure is going to be on them. Um, and I think West Virginia might be able to kind of press up on them and, and get them into some uncomfortable spots, uh, even if they're not handling the ball as much. Chris, there are four Power Five teams. Uh, power Five, let's say Power Conference when you talk to college basketball fans. Yeah. Uh, that started two true freshmen. Purdue, Alabama, Duke, and Syracuse. Pretty good pedigree right there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the only one that starts two guards that are freshmen. Yeah. So it's it's a rarity, and they've been good so far. Shooters, defenders, they pass, they score, good players. But what's going to happen when Kedrian Johnson is inside their Nikes? What's going to happen when Eric Stevenson is barking at them? What's going to happen when Johnson and Joe Toussaint are hounding them and trapping them on a sideline or baseline and trying to make something happen? I'm sure that West Virginia would like to ask those questions and beg those answers there too. Um they can be big, too. They have a 6'10 guy off the bench. They have guards. They can run in waves. It's kind of a fun little roster they put together. They have Mr. Basketball in Indiana. 2020, 
2021, 2022. It's a good way to get good, right? That's a uh, bad news for the Hoosiers out there. Yeah, that may explain why the Hoosiers are having trouble right now, too. Uh, Trey Coffin was Mr. Basketball in Indiana in 2020. Caleb Hurst, that's the 6'10 guy they're bringing off the bench, 2021. And as we mentioned, Braden Smith, 2022. So guys who want to go to Purdue from Indiana, and they got him. Um, again, good talent in high school basketball. Uh, they wrote a movie about that many, many years ago. It helps. Advantages for West Virginia here. We mentioned experience maybe one. Um, have waves of people to throw at Eddie. Can they make Eddie move around and 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 do things he's not comfortable with? They don't have a stretch five, but have you seen anything that could make you think they can pull Eddie away from the basket and, and remove that shot blocking threat? Well, I think this is where you face this dilemma because defensively, is Jimmy Bell the only one who even has a chance to kind of slow him? I mean, Weggy is not he's not thin, um, but Edie is 300 pounds. Yeah. He is seven foot four, 300 pounds. So he, he's not some stick. He is a thick dude that you, that is going to, you know, just boss you around on the block. So you need a big body. Like offensively, you'd love to have Trey Mitchell as your five, but defensively that won't work. Um, I, you could try some other things. I know there are a lot of big men who struggle, struggle, when they get guarded by smaller guys, smaller guys that will spend their entire time fronting and annoying and acting like a little gnat that just kind of sneaks around, steals the ball as they try to get a post-entry pass, that kind of stuff. But does Trey Mitchell strike you as that kind of guy? It, no offense to Trey Mitchell, but he doesn't. Um, so I'm not sure you can go that direction because I think you can offensively. But if you need to have a big enough body to defend him, like, say, Jimmy Bell, or you want to try to take advantage of him on the offensive end, that means you're going to have to get Jimmy Bell involved in the screen game, whether that's ball screens. So you get Edie on, you know, trying to defend a point guard basically out by the perimeter, or you have Jimmy Bell screening away for shooters. Uh, say, you know, you got Keedy Johnson dribbling off on the right wing. Go have Jimmy Bell screen for uh, Eric Stevenson on the other wing and coming out to the top of the key for an open three and try to force Edie to kind of hedge that out, try to jump out, and he's just not going to be able to. He's not going to be quick enough to get out there. So Jimmy Bell or whoever it is that is defending Edie or is being defended by Edie is going to have to be extremely involved in the screening game on Thursday night. He's such a weird player, too, and he's he's offensive. He's He's made shots. He gets in there. He does things that he's supposed to do. Uh, 37 field goal attempts in three games, and they're setting them up. They're feeding them 19 free throws, too. By the way, do not foul Purdue. Uh, they have incredible success when they just attempt more free throws than the opponent, and they're always about a 75, 80% free throw shooting team. They're always very good, but guards buzzing around, throwing it, in, throwing it inside, too. Uh, the big man, seven four three hundred, like you said, hard to move. He's going to want his spots, but yeah, moving him will be important too. But if he does get in good position, um, look at this right now, 24 out of 37, 65%. But he can struggle. Turns it over sometimes. It's hard. It's, it can be hard for a big guy to dribble the ball and pound it on the block and then make passes too, especially when guys are moving around. Uh, but man, you're looking at 20.7 points, 13.7 rebounds. And Chris, in three games, he's only committed six fouls while blocking 10 shots. So, he's doing, by the way, just a sophomore, too. Kind of a crazy thing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What do you like about the Mountaineers in tournament style? And you know what I'm talking about here. Like you play one day, you're off, you play the next. You play back-to-back days. And there are certain valuables certain variables that are valuable for a team. I combined those two words right there. How about that? There are certain variables that can help a team. And it looks like that they at least have the box. We'll see if they check it, but there, there's something to like about the way they're put together when it comes to how they can prepare and how other teams may have a hard time preparing for them. Yeah. So no matter what, win, lose, draw, the schedule is Thursday, Friday, Sunday for everybody, not just West Virginia. But the first thing and the most obvious thing is is having depth. Depth is important. Um, West Virginia, again, it goes back to the old Bob Huggins saying of, you know, maybe the t- starting five is not as good as the other team starting five, but their six through 10 is better or their eight through 12 is better than any other team's eight through 12. I think that might be accurate again this year. I, I'm not sure it was maybe the last couple of years when they were even still trying to push it a little bit, but I think it is accurate again this season. So I think that helps. Second part is having the versatility, having the options that West Virginia does at guard, at wing, at, at, as the big men, you know, again, as I've already noted, you know, you can go Jimmy Bell, you can go Waggy, you can go Conquo, you can go Mitchell. Um, having that is great in these situations because <clears throat> for a typical game, you usually have some prep, before the game, for the opponent, what the opponent does, what the matchups are, and you can plan accordingly. If you have a quick turnaround to play a game against a team that you didn't even know you were playing before the night before, now granted, you know, West Virginia knows if they win, they're likely playing Gonzaga. If they lose, they're likely playing Portland State. But Gonzaga, for instance, they're not going to have that same uh, benefit because they don't know who's going to win between Purdue and West Virginia. Purdue and West Virginia are far more evenly matched than Portland State and Gonzaga. So they kind of have to just focus on themselves and then maybe try to get a quick hit. You know, for those who don't know, they'll be standing in a hotel ballroom on Friday morning while having their breakfast and then doing walkthroughs, trying to figure out, go over what West Virginia likes to do on offense or Purdue likes to do on offense, you know, whoever they're ended up facing. Um, and with West Virginia, I think their identity can change from game to game. Uh, I think they could be, hey, look, this is a team that, trots out this Jimmy Bell guy who's big and does this and does that. And then the next game it's, Oh wait, that Trey Mitchell is now your five and and he likes to play outside in. And then the next game, Oh, Hey, now they have six guards that are rotating all over the place and they're pressing and they weren't pressing last game. And Oh man, what's going on. So I think that's very beneficial to West Virginia in this tournament style format. Dang. 
That was mine. You're welcome. I just think that again, I've been this. This was apparent to me that it was their plan. They were they got painted in the corners a lot last year. Where they couldn't adjust or they couldn't work their way out of a disadvantage or create an advantage if they saw one. And their rosters are so uh, flexible here; they can kind of force the issue. They could also call a thirty second timeout and say, "Listen, Purdue got us in this." Switch this guy for this guy, switch this guy for this guy, or put in this defense or put in this offense, or this ball screen. You got a different guy who has a better skill set for that particular demand, and fine, you're out of it. But also, in that time between games, the other team is going to look at your next opponent is going to look at what happened the first game and say, well, we should try to do this or we should expect this. And that's not necessarily going to work. And that's not necessarily what you should expect from West Virginia because they, they can play with their other hand. You know, they can do something different you're not expecting. So you might be expecting one thing or preparing to do one thing and West Virginia may develop a counter or a workaround that you don't even have to do that too. So how they deploy that, I think this is like one of those we have yet to see kind of things. We've yet to see them really be able to flex this where by and large early in the season, teams are kind of refined just a small number of things they want to or are willing to do because they haven't practiced a whole bunch yet. That develops over time. And as you practice more things more often, you become more comfortable, more competent with it. That's not really change right here, but you're going to see three teams and they're going to have three different ways of doing things. So your defenses and your offenses have to be more prepared for, I mean, just inbound stuff, end of shot clock, end of half stuff, how they rebound, how they just just anything. All these teams are going to do it a little bit differently. And then from one game to the next or one half to the next, how they make those changes will be fun. Uh, I mentioned the free throw thing. I was trying to find the stat. Listen, attempting more free throws in another team, that's a, Fairly difficult thing to do consistently just because officials are are so wild. And also, you may foul more one time because you're playing, you know, closer defense, harder defense, or you have to come from behind, whatever. But it's hard to consistently not or it's hard to consistently shoot more free throws or avoid the other team shooting more free throws than you. Um, since the start of the 14-15 season, Chris, Purdue is 151-19 and when they shoot more free throws on the other team. Just and they shoot them, right? And obviously they're pretty good. And they won they won 40 in a row and they score 80 points. So I don't think the Mountaineers want to get in an 80-point game. And you get toward 80 if you're fouling a team and sending them to the, to the line. Officiating is always a wild card in these tournaments because they haven't seen you. Um, they're not used to the way you, you press or on, pressure on somebody or the way you press, the way you trap, the way you send in a second defender. That'll be that'll be pretty interesting to see how they how the whistles handle this one here, too. So See what happens there. Not a great three-point shooting team, though, Chris. Um, they were nine for twenty-seven against Marquette. That's thirty-three percent. That lifted their number up to uh, right around twenty-eight percent this year, too. So they have not been a great three-point shooting team. Good for West Virginia. Pack it in, guard to paint, and and see if those guys can get hot and beat you. Don't know if they can. If you're really worried about the big guy, that's that's one thing. Yeah, you might be able to work around there too. Um, one other thing on the ED, I was going back to look at his game log for so far this season. Again, only three games, but he, I mean, he's been doing well. He has, obviously. I mean, when you shoot 65% from the floor and you're averaging 21 and 14. Um, but looking at the guys who guarded him, the only team that they've played that is in the top 225, top 225 in the Ken Palm ratings was Marquette in the 60s. And that ended up being a five-point game that they had to come back to win late. And Marquette's two big men were 6'8 
and about a hundred pounds less than ED. Hmm. Um, so Jimmy Bell is going to be probably, I mean, again, he's going to be six inches shorter. And depending on how much weight Jimmy Bell's lost in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, so probably about the same amount. I mean, what is, what is he? 280, I think, is what he's officially listed at. And, and Edie's listed at 295. So <clears throat> this is going to be about the most equal matchup that Edie's had so far this season. So I'm interested to see how that works out. And, and as noted, if Bell can stay out of foul trouble, because they'll pound it into them. And I hope Bell doesn't get too antsy about trying to make a statement there. I haven't seen any zone from West Virginia yet. Not calling mm. it, but I wonder if they if they get if if he's beating them up inside, do you do something that says we got to guard the inside and let's see if they can make threes? We'll see. Don't know. Um, rest of the tournament. Let me see if I get this right. Okay. Purdue, West Virginia, 10 p.m. ESPN two Thursday night. That will start 10 p.m. sharp because that's the first game of the evening session, and Portland State Gonzaga follows. If West Virginia wins, presumably we'll play Gonzaga Friday at 11.30 p.m. on ESPN. I would not bet on that starting at 11.30 because that's the second game of the evening there. If West Virginia loses Friday, 6 p.m. ESPN News against likely Portland State, and then it's kind of choose your own adventure from there. The TBDs exist for the the team that loses the second game in a row. So not sure what time, but they'll have an off day. They'll play Sunday. So Thursday, Friday, Sunday, like you said, West Virginia definitely plays 10 p.m. on Thursday and then either 9 p.m. or 1130-ish on Friday. So uh, grab a coffee, lean in, get comfortable, be late nights here. Yeah, I think I screwed this up on the – preseason preview of the year i think i said they they lose purdue and then they could play somebody else but you know i think if if they lose against purdue the most likely next two games are portland state and oregon state because those teams are at least according to basically every ranking including ken palm Mm -hmm. um you're never talking about this before we hopped on here there are eight teams in this tournament west virginia is ranked sixth out of those eight teams according to Ken Palm, at number 39. Mm-hmm. And then you have Oregon State and Portland State way down in the twos, hundreds, and something else. So you lose to Purdue, and you you end up with a couple games that should be easy wins for West Virginia. But you win that game, and you, you're going to be facing some more NCAA tournament teams, which could be better long-term. Ken Palm has West Virginia strength of schedule right around 258. Purdue... 301 um west virginia number 51 in adjusted offense number 38 in adjusted defense purdue uh, listen styles make fights right a little bit better offensively a little bit better defensively 14th in offense 51st in defense here too so uh, and if you look at our friend evan miyakawa really likes purdue his numbers really like purdue i would say um has them at number nine offensively number 36 defensively too. So um, again, one good offense against what we think could be a good defense, one better offense against what we think would be uh, a decent defense, which is which I don't know. We'll see. First oh. test of the year, 
first chance to see what the Mountaineers are made of maybe begins Thanksgiving night, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. We know Purdue. We don't know who after that, but we figured the Mountaineers will be better. By the next time you see him at home, which would be perhaps in the second game of a weird back-to-back against Xavier, too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long, but maybe fun next four days. Uh, yeah, basketball Thursday night, basketball Friday night, football Saturday. Who knows with the athletic department slash football coaching staff Saturday night, and then another basketball game Sunday. You All don't right. have any plans this weekend, right? If I did, they don't have any more, I'm sure. <laughs> don't ruin this for me, Chris. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you at some point. Don't know about what, don't know when, but I promise we'll be here. See you then. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.